Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And this week we have a wonderful show. We're going to deal with a lot of issues that I think will be surprising and beneficial to everybody in the audience. Uh, the topics tonight will include the um, one of the areas of Bedikas Toloyim, which we'll mention a little bit later. And it includes also the issues of a Shabbos. And uh, so a little bit about inside stories about the Shabbos March that's going to be this week, Parshas Noyach, and um, some other interesting topics that we have tied into the Shabbos area, Shabbos, the Kiddushes, etc. And uh, if you'd like to text us, you can do that at any time at 347-927-8398. We won't take any calls for a while. But you can text 347-927-8398 and tell us any topic of Akashvas that you're interested in. This week is a very special week. This Shabbos is going to be Parshas Noyach. We're getting close to um, the, I think the Shabbos project should be coming up soon. I don't know exactly the Shabbos it is. But um, this Shabbos is very special because Parshas Noyach, at least this year, we have two things. We have the Shabbos March and we have the annual Kiddush in most shuls, there's a Kiddush for the uh, people who, who got the, the uh, Hassan Torah and Hassan Bracious and thank and appreciation for that and uh, celebration of that. Most of the shuls make a Kiddush, which means there are literally in our neighborhood over here probably 50 Kiddush Kiddushim this week. Uh, I, I don't think you should go to all of them, but definitely try to, try to attend one, especially in honor of the people who spend so much money and who are especially honored, let's say, as a rabbi, etc. So it's a wonderful thing to participate in. But I'm, let's start first with the march, because uh, they asked us for the march to make an announcement. The Shabbos march has been going on for 30 years or more. In the recent times, there was a little break. It had been in the old, old days, and from the 40s, 1940s. Uh, in the early years, when we were, people were settling into New York, they started with that march, and it was in Williamsburg, etc., but now we're doing it in Flatbush, and it's been going on for maybe 30 years or more, and it's down King's Highway. It starts at 1145 from Ocean Parkway and King's Highway, right the corner over there. You, you, shouldn't, you, you can't miss it. Ocean Parkway and King's Highway at 1145 on Shabbos morning. They, they continue up on the southern side of the street from, uh, from Ocean Parkway, all the way to Ocean Avenue. And then they go back from Ocean Avenue on the other side of the street, which is the north side. They go back towards, uh, they go as far as East 12th Street. And at that point, there's a little teeny park over there. You wouldn't really call it a park, but they do call it a little park. And it's uh, in some chairs and, and uh, benches, and uh, uh, you know, there's a little place to stand, and, uh, and there's some few trees. And anyway, that's called a park in, in, in Brooklyn. And over there, there's a speaker. So what happens is the Shabbos march, they walk up and down. It takes um, about an hour. From 11.45, you'd be finished by 1 o'clock with any speeches that they have at the end. I think usually finished by 1 o'clock. So the whole thing doesn't take very long. And you could join the march anywhere along the way, and you'll see it. And the reason you'll know you'll see it is because the police are there. The police are there to protect us from anybody and to make sure that we follow the laws as well. So it's a, it's a big Kiddush Hashem when we, when we act properly, and it's also a big chesed from the police department to allow us to do this every year, and it's a wonderful thing. What does it accomplish? First of all, there are Russians who see this. There are store owners. There are store owners that have mezuzahs on the doors, and they're open on Shabbos. We try to influence them to close for Shabbos. In some rare cases, they've been successful. This past Shabbos, somebody came over to me, and he said to me in the march, you know, I mean, uh, really, please, uh, does it really accomplish anything? So I said to him, I can't tell you about every march and every place, etc. I'm sure not too many of the store owners decided to become Shema Shabbos. A couple did, but I'm sure that, that that really isn't the focus. What I'm interested in is the fact that many hundreds of people walking up and down the street, whether they're Jews or they're non-Jews, but I'm interested in the Jews, basically, They'll see us making a Kiddush Hashem. And I think that is something worthwhile. 
a few hundred people walking up and down the blocks, singing Shabbos Hayom Lashem. It, it shows that, first of all, we're celebrating Shabbos. All the Russians who don't know anything about what's going on, at least this is their exposure. In addition to that, it has a profound impact on individuals. And I'm going to tell you, Rabbi Vigna Miller was uh, quoted, um, this gentleman puts out a Torres Avigdor, he puts out a piece of uh, question and answer from Rabbi Vigna Miller every day. I, I had it with me, but I don't know where it is right now. Yesterday's, I believe it was, or it could have been a few days ago, but I saw it yesterday. There's a piece there where... Um, Rabbi Miller was 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 uh, addressing the question of of does he take it personally? Does he do what he says, or is it, these are just speeches, or this is actually what he does? So Rabbi Miller said, "Listen, I'm really talking to myself, but uh, you can listen. But wherever somebody talks, it's really to the, you have to listen. You, you have to talk to yourself. And I always talk to myself when I'm giving the speeches." I want you. I want you to listen. So maybe you'll get something out of it. But I get something out of it. And he told over how the Mashkiach, when he was in Europe, told him that. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was Rabbi Israel Salanta, I believe, said it. Rabbi Israel Salanta said, uh, if the only outcome of a Musa Shmuz is if one person is affected, it's worth it. And if it's a speaker, it's also worth it. So most people, when they speak, they're really speaking to themselves also. So that's what Rav Miller said. And here's the, t- the two stories that I love to tell. I heard, you, you heard them one time on this radio show, but I don't know if you, they are, you're listening to that one. So I'm, I'm going to repeat it in the, the short form. Many years ago, Rav Shmuel Birnbaum, Rosh Yeshiva, from Mir Yeshiva, was the person to speak at the end of this Shabbos march, which is taking place th- this Shabbos, Parshas Noyach, starting from 1145, on Kings Highway and Ocean Parkway, walking down to Ocean Avenue and then back to East 12th Street. You can join them anywhere along the line. You'll see the police and you'll see the people and you'll hear the singing. It's a beautiful, beautiful demonstration of what Shabbos is all about. And and Shmuel Birnbaum was asked to speak, and he got up and he talked about how important it is, Shabbos and learning the halachas of Shabbos, because if you don't learn the halachas of Shabbos, it could cause the people to... If we're not careful about in all the halachas of Boirer, then maybe in Paris they're opening the stores on Shabbos. So he gave that uh, that piece, and he mentioned that it's very, very important. So, and he quoted the Chabad Chaim. I'm not going to go into it now. So the, at, uh, next week on Shabbos, the following Shabbos, when he was in, Shur, in Yeshiva, Yeshiva Mir Yeshiva, after the davening, somebody came over to him and said, Rebbe, when do we start? Mentioned last week, you got to learn Hilchah Shabbos every week. When do we start? So Rav Shmuel Birnbaum looked at him and said, Nem Mishnah Brewers. Get a hold of a bunch of Mishnah Brewers and a couple of guys, and they all came there and they started learning Mishnah Brewer with Rav Shmuel Birnbaum. Not that week, but every single Shabbos after the davening until almost the last Shabbos of his life. Rav Shmuel Birnbaum learned Hilcha Shabbos because he said it, he was called on it, and he said, you're right, and he accepted from then on the rest of his life to learn Hilcha Shabbos after the davening Shabbos morning. And he took it so far that he would not go into a Kiddush, even in the yeshiva, until he had finished learning 20 minutes, half an hour with these people. And he had about 10 people, maybe a little less, at, 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 at the little shear. He used to be that Rosh Hashim was the first speaker. He's the Rosh Hashiva. Because of this, he was always the last speaker at every Kiddush. But that was, that was Rosh Hashim No Darish no Mekayim. Another Shabbos march, a few years later, Rabbi London was uh, the person who was asked to speak. The Rabbi London used to have a yeshiva on Ocean Avenue. Um, he, used to have, he, had a yeshiva, he was asked to speak at the march. And he got up and he talked about it. I said, very nice, you people took off an hour to make a march for Shabbos. But what are you doing for all the Russians who are in our neighborhood? What are you doing for the thousands of Russians who are not keeping sh- mitzvahs of Shabbos and Kashvahs? Are you doing anything for them? And he rebuked everybody there. 
was standing there and said, it's very nice what you're doing, but we got to go further. And a few months later, it was right before Rosh Hashanah. In those days, the march was in spring. Right before Rosh Hashanah, there was a special plane or several planes that came to Kennedy Airport. 1,000 Russian Jews were coming to America and getting their freedom. And 1,000, that was the number. And I, I remember hearing about it. I said, wow, this is amazing. And I was very impressed by it, etc. That's all I did. But <laughs> Rabbi London went down to the plane and he said, I represent the Jews of Brooklyn. I'm their representative. And we want you all to come to live with us. And the, the leaders of the group who were arranging everything said, you, you can't take them. They're going to certain apartments, their welfare apartments that we have arranged in Manhattan, and that's where they're going. So they all, all went over there. But he didn't let it go. He followed it up, and he invited them week after week after week to come to Brooklyn. And he said, we have place for all of you, hundreds and hundreds of these Russian Jews who came to America and had nothing. And he said, we have room for you. Come for Shabbos. And they came in the hundreds. And every shul in the area, I remember Rabbi Gornish's shul had two, two, two meals. Some people had one meal, some people had two meals, but they had the meals in the shul for dozens of people. And they were put up in different houses. And Rabbi London did not represent anybody, except he said he did. But he sent around calling up everybody and begging them to put these Russians up for that Shabbos. And people would come and, st- and spend comfort Shabbos and then go back to the houses over there. Eventually, from this came a yeshiva, Nefesh Academy for boys, Nefesh Academy for girls. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people they came from because Rabbi London walked the walk. What he said at the Shabbos march, he carried out. And you ask me what the Shabbos march does? At least I know of two cases where we had tremendous success and the fallout was phenomenal. So join the march if you can. It's, you don't have to come for the whole time. You could be in the middle of your Sa'uda. Just walk out, unless it's pouring. Walk out because they, they turn it off. They call it off if it's pouring. If it isn't, go even for a little while and be mechazek this march, which has done so much over the years. Now, the topic tonight is really about Shabbos. Because, first of all, last week was the first Shabbos of the year, gracious. It was the Kriya Torah was about it, about Shabbos and the, the specialness of a, the Broch and the, and the Kedusha of Shabbos. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to talk now about this coming Shabbos, Parshas Noya. And we've mentioned this in the past, but it bears repeating every year. I don't know if we did it at Barichas ever, but next Shabbos, which is Parshas Noyach, almost every shul is going to have a Kiddush. And it's going to be a Kiddush. They're not just going to put out Kichel and soda and a little schnapps. It's going to be a Kiddush. Whatever that Kiddush is, your shul is this way, that shul is that way, but it's going to be a real Kiddush. It's going to cost a few hundred bucks for, the, for the, whoever made the Kiddush. Anyway, what's going to happen is they're going to go to all the caterers, all the takeout stores, and get this food. And everybody's going to be busy up to the hilt. Who's going to make sure that the Shabbos is kept? Who's going to make sure that Kashris is going to be kept? Do you think there's enough mashkichim for all these kiddushim? Absolutely not. You think there's Shoma Shabbos waiters for all these kiddushim? Absolutely not. Do you think that there's somebody assigned in every shul to make sure that Shabbos and Kashris is maintained? Absolutely not. Do you think that in every shul they have a list on the wall of things you have to be careful about on Shabbos in that shul, that we have our rules, you can't buy, uh, carry out outside of the Yeriv, you can't uh, make a double knot, you can't uh, do this, you can't do that, you have to make sure this is before Shabbos. Is there any list of rules in these shuls, in the little kitcheners that they have? I've, I don't see them. Maybe a few shuls have, but most shuls don't have. 
I've been trying to work on one shul for about five or six years, and so far I haven't been successful. It's it's a it's a very slow thing to come. It has to be a disaster for something to happen. I don't know how much everybody knows about the KIC, but the KIC, which they call Kosher Information Service, which actually believe center, which actually believe belongs still here in Flatbush, it's very quiet. But the KIC started when there was a fantastic Chil Hashem, when there was a big Kiddush in a very famous yeshiva in our neighborhood over here. And in that Kiddush on Shabbos, they, the goy, they, had, they had burnt the Cholent, and the Goy went out, got a key, he had a key, got into the, uh, the, the caterer's uh, uh, commissary, took out Cholent that had been probably somewhat cooked, but uh, obviously was not hot in anything, and he took the cholent out of, somehow he got in and was able to take the cholent out, brought it over, put it on in the fire, and heated it up. It's just that one person found out about it. And he told one person who was a frum guy, and he, he knew he would be he would devastated if he, did, if he had eaten food that was brought in that way on Shabbos and cooked on Shabbos. So he told him. And there was a tremendous... Uh, uproar here in Flatbush and the KI, and, and the Rabunum got together and they started the KIC. So we could wait for one of those again and that would become very uh, exciting or we could start instituting some rules. So I have something which I put together because one shul asked me, although they haven't utilized it, but they asked me for it. So I have a three-page document which I will email to anybody that wants. Just say Kiddush, that's a nice word, Kiddush. And on an email, just don't, don't write anything. I don't know who you are. Just write Kiddush as a subject and send it to kashrus at aol.com, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com. Kashrus at aol.com, just write the word Kiddush, and I'll send you the three-page document that I wrote. And you can actually do anything you want with it. I'm making it um, general. It's general enough, and uh, we'll leave out any mention of any shul. <laughs> and you could actually adjust yourself. Just don't say that I made it up for your shul, and don't uh, and don't if you chop it up, don't use my name anywhere. But I'll give it to you, Blinada, in a word doc or something like that, which you can probably adjust, or if maybe we'll do also maybe uh, maybe the PDF if you want to print it out, whatever you'd like. But the point is that. Um, we want you to have this. So I'm going to read a few of the items that I have here. I made three sections. One is for the kitchen, which I wanted posted in the kitchen. For anybody who's involved in any which way, will see it there. I wanted additional rules for the waiter or mashkiach. And I wanted a letter to the hosts. The people who are arranging this simcha, let them get the message. To the hosts, I told them that uh, if there's no mashkiach, and there's no control from the rabbi who certifies the place you're buying the food from, then it's called the drop-off party. And the hashkocha on the caterer takes no responsibilities because you're running the program. Now, even when a caterer will give you the, mash, the, mash, the waiters and maybe even mashkicham, it's not his business. It's only if he, puts his, if he says it's my affair, my rabbi signs off on it, and then you put cards out or a little uh, napkin that says his name. But if you don't see that napkin in the, uh, in the little card or whatever it is, then it's probably just a drop-off party where he bought the food and, the, and there's a nice service. They gave him some contact for waiters, maybe even given him a mashkiach if, they want, if he wants. But most people probably don't choose a mashkiach, and therefore they're relying on the non-Jews to keep Shabbos, to keep kashras, and not to be ever alone with the, the meat alone at late at night, not to make anything that would be a chil Hashem or, uh, or break Shabbos, to always be careful that they don't do move this and that if the, if the thing goes out, uh, let's say, for example, uh, we, we had uh, on Yom Tov, and where I was on Yom Tov, I'm talking about Simchas Torah, <laughs> the, um, the, the warmer, we had all the, kugels in it was pulled out 
kids were playing with it. They got pulled out. It wasn't attached. Fortunately, it's second day Yom Tov, which is a big cooler to get a goy, uh, to ask a goy. Is a, it's a very, very big cooler. And the tofu was still hot. And they were able to solve their problem. But I've gone to places and seen places where the, the non-Jew or sometimes the non-religious Jew who was a waiter will take out an urn, plug it in, different place, put water in, everything, the whole business. Uh, it isn't the way you think that, oh, it's so simple, we just take the food and put it on the plates. No, 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 no. You can do dozens of Averis, dozens of Chiloshabas. You can actually osser some of the food. Not, not, not so easy, but you could osser the food and make it unable to be eaten. So it's, it's, a, it's something that we, we have a moral responsibility for those mashkichim, for the waiters, I'm sorry. The waiters, you invite a, a, a Russian or a non from Jew who lives far away to be the waiter. You're paying the money. You pay the $7,500, $90,000, I think usually is, maybe it's up to 100 But you pay that money to the waiter, and you know he lives in Brighton, and you will live over here, and you know he's not walking an hour and a quarter to come to your uh, fair. So what are you doing? In a sense, you're forcing him to be Michal Shabbos. You're Oyvind Avera. Just by making that simcha and hiring that waiter that you know lives out so far away he's not going to walk, according to Ramosha Feinstein, Macy's Umadiach. Ramosha Feinstein said it's like taking him and leading him to the church, or worse, let's say, to a base of Odo Zorah. That, that, that that's what you're doing when you invite somebody and you know he's going to ride. It's called Macy's Umadiyah. It happens to be the worst crime, and that's the one crime, Macy's Umadiyah, that we're not allowed to have any mercy on the person, which is against everything in Judaism, but in that one area, we're not allowed to have any mercy. So that's a, a serious thing, which unfortunately many people take on, and they invite these people to be the, to be the waiters, and they don't think anything about it. Now they didn't mean no, they didn't know. Okay, fine, you didn't know. You know now that that anybody who's coming in there isn't that isn't from he's definitely gonna be riding. And if he's a if he's a, a Jew from Russia or someplace else, and it, it, sometimes they just fool you to put a yarmulke on and it doesn't mean anything. That's a different problem. But it but that's a very big problem for the host. Now, let's go to the uh, to so the area of the kitchen. I wanna just point out a couple of things that could happen easily in a kitchen on preparing for the uh, for, for a kiddush. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, all the control knobs on the warmers, the oven, the crockpots, they have to be removed or taped over or covered. That's required for garifakotum, but it's also required because otherwise they're going to play with it. Somebody's going to play with it. You've got to not to make them non-available, the knobs. Everything has to be in the warmers or on the blech or in the crock pot, fully cooked and placed there <coughs> 15 minutes before candle lighting time. Whose responsibility is that? Technically, if you have a mashkiach, it's a mashkiach's responsibility. But it's so hectic then. Most people don't have a mashkiach. <coughs> so well, who is responsible? The host. He should have daven mincha earlier and he should be in the kitchen making sure that everything is going properly unless he has a mashkiach. Otherwise, there'll be chilo Shabbos, there'll be other compromises, absolutely imperative that somebody even be in there. And if they're having kiddushim again and again and again, the rabbi, the balabatim, the president, whatever it is, should be setting up some system to make sure that there's coverage during the uh, Kiddush preparation on Arab Shabbos. <coughs> I'm sorry. Now, uh, urns have to be filled with water before Shabbos. Sounds simple. I went to an affair in the shul where I daven usually, and we came in, myself and a friend, and we saw that there was an urn sitting around and it had not been plugged in. It was getting close to Shabbos. And we had Davin Mincha. Mincha, by us, is very, very close to the Zman. 
And lo and behold, they were putting up Jews. Maybe they considered themselves Orthodox Jews. They were putting up the water in the urn and wanted to plug it in. And we stopped them. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was Shkia. I didn't know it was after Shkia. Well, you know, that's the basic one. You find out the time of Shabbos when, you, when you're a mashkiach or a waiter. If you're a Shomer Shabbos, you find out the time Shabbos turns up, right? So we saw it ourselves. This is the kind of thing that you need a mashkiach for or somebody representing the shul. Absolutely necessary. You can't have splotted, spotted, I'm sorry, slotted spoons available in the, in the room because when you have that, there's going to be definitely burr on Shabbos. You got to be careful that the wine is all not is is all mavushal, uh, and that's a an avoidance. Sometimes it's not, you know it's not being done properly. I mean, there's endless numbers of things. Let's mention one or two more, and then I'm going to open up to what, any calls that you would like to make. Some of these additional rules for the waiter and the mashgiach. No Jewish waiter can come on Shabbos other than by foot. No food or non-food may be brought in from the outside of the building on Shabbos. A lot of times they're bringing in plates and silverware and stuff like that. They bought it someplace. They're bringing it in. They forgot to bring it in before. Friday night, Ashoma Shabbos should be the last to leave so we have, that we don't have basar shenis alim and ayin. Soda bottle caps should be opened before Shabbos or examined that then there's no tearing of letters that would take place on Shabbos. The kishka should not be inserted into the chalent pot completely enveloped by tin foil or parchment paper. You need holes or some open, somewhat exposed. Discuss this with your rabbi. The serving ladle should be completely dry before using, and that's a big one. A lot of times the people are using a ladle that's wet and it's water, the liquid is cooled off. A lot of times they're stirring and sometimes even when something is on a, on a fire. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm not going to go into what I have here. Obviously, I did three pages. I'm giving it to you. Anybody wants it, email me, kashrus at aol.com. K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com. All you have to do is write one word on it, kiddush. And I don't care how you spell kiddush. <laughs> I do K-I-D-D-U-S-H. But if you spell it, any other way, it's acceptable. And we'll, we'll get it emailed to you right away. Maybe, hopefully, before Parshas Noya. Let me take a moment to mention about our sponsor, which is Glotmart, and then I'm going to give you a, an update on some of the other things that are happening in our area and, and maybe also uh, take up for you about uh, how to properly check a certain vegetable. We're going to do in just a moment. I, when I think of Glotmart, I think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. At Glotmart, you'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items that you purchased in the store. I don't have uh, the... Uh, specials that start on Wednesday, but today and tomorrow, um, and tomorrow, by the way, so today and tomorrow, you can get some great deals at Glotmart. I want to tell you a few of them. For $9.99 a pound, you can get beef pastrami. You can get shoulder London broil, $9.99 a pound. Veal stew, $8.99 a pound. These are just some of the items. Geffen cucumbers in brine, the 19-ounce size, $1.29. Go anyplace else at the $1.79, $1.89. B&G kosher dill pickles, 32 ounce, $1.89. It's a good buy. And for 79 cents a pound, you can get green peppers or eggplants. That's a, those are very, very good prices. And, you know, when you, when you shop at Glatmar, for the, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glatmart you're getting quality kashras. Glatmart is at 1205 Avenue M. 
meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashrus on the Air over JRoot Radio. And now, someone has been <laughs> after me for the longest time, and I will try to the best of my ability uh, to, to uh, discuss one of the uh, vegetables right now, I and mean, then if we can, different times in the future, discuss the uh, different vegetables, how they have to be handled. But before I do that, I must tell you that somebody brought something to my attention, which I cannot corroborate yet. I'm going to look into it. But it's something that you should be very much aware of. And I, I was aware of it in the past, but I am not aware of it at the present time. When you go to a wine test tasting situation, or when you go to the Kosher Fest, of course, in a few weeks, that's just two weeks from now, and you go to Kosher Fest or you go to a wine tasting place, even though they're using only kosher wines. But the question is, who's pouring them? Now, they'll tell you it's a Shomer Shabbos. But the question is, how do they know it's a Shomer Shabbos? In today's world, it's no big deal. When I was a kid, I remember butchers putting on a yarmulke and, you know, try to give an impression that they're religious. And they never wore a yarmulke outside of the store. (laughs) <laughs> they never showed them in Shul on Shabbos. But in their store, they wore a yarmulke. It impress- gives an impression. So it's not such a big deal if you want the job to be the person who's, who's, who's handing out the, the bartender, or whatever it's called, to hand out the uh, drinks. So then, you know, those people have to be very verified. So be cautious when you see people pouring drinks for you. If it's Yayin Mavushal, then, of course, that's a different story. Now, I would like to share with you a little bit about something that people, someone did contact me recently about, and that's mushrooms. It's hard to do this over the fo- phone and the radio. I would recommend to everybody to buy Bedikas Hamazon, Rabbi Moshe Vaya, his, his famous book, Bedikas Hamazon, which is uh, all in English, Laws and Practical Methods for Checking Foods with pictures, diagrams, explanations. You see the insects. You see the issues. You just you understand it instantly. It's a life's work. This is not from one day. This is 30 to 40 years of the man's work. He has three volumes, and he's made it now into one, all in English, for us. So pick it up in the store. Bidika Samosom, Rabbi Moshe Vaya. There are different kinds of mushrooms, and I'm going to give you an understanding of it. It's just going to take three minutes, probably. Fresh mushrooms is wild and is commercially grown. Wild mushrooms, forget about. You can't do it. Commercially grown cultivated mushrooms sometimes have insects. It's preferable to use mushrooms with a membrane over the cap Right, the membrane over the cap is tightly attached to the stem. The stem is what just what you think. It comes out. It looks like a stem. It protrudes out like a you know like a, a pole or something. And the top is uh, the cap. If it's tight, without any space between them, then you're pretty good. Any mushrooms whose membrane is not tightly attached, especially mushrooms which grow open, like portobello and shiitake mushrooms. You have to remove and discard the gills. So when they sell you the the, uh, the dried out, uh, you know, mushrooms from China, wherever they come from, you got the gills there. That's not being taken care of. You could probably be eating a whole bunch of bugs. Soak the mushrooms in soapy water and wash them well. So so far we're just looking for tight mushrooms that don't have the underbelly, the brown underbelly. Otherwise, you have to cut that out completely, and throw it away. That, that, that looks like a, a fan, if you take a look at it. It's a brown fan-looking thing, right? You cut that away. And you soak the mushrooms in soapy water and wash them well. And then he wants you to slice the mushrooms vertically, including the stem, or break them into a few pieces, and check for narrow tunnels that look like brown pins pricks. Now, you don't cut everything up or you have no mushrooms anymore. But you have to make a couple of indentations just to see if there are insects 
inside the flesh. He shows you in the book what they look like. Then he has a picture here and shows you um, the different types of mushrooms, which is very, very helpful. What about canned mushrooms? And that's what most of us use is the canned mushrooms. So from Holland, they're 100% fine. From India or from the USA, you have to have a good hashkocha, one that you feel is really on top of these kinds of things. And But from China and most of the other countries, we don't advise you getting it because they're usually infested. Again, Holland is uh, canned mushrooms from Holland is good. From India or the USA is uh, good if you have a good hashkocha on it. And the other countries you should avoid. If you have a particular country and you see it on there and it's not one I mentioned, you can email me or call us at the show and we will research it for you. And right now, I'm ready to take uh, your calls on any topic. You could call the studio at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Again, the studio number, 718-683-5858. And please try to remember to send us an email, and I'll send you those three pages about the kiddish uh, and the shuls, things that people have to know about. And you can send that email to kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. So call us if you can, 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to send us a text, you can do that to 347 347- 927-8398. You can send us a text at 347-927-8398. But the responsibility of these Kedushim is everybody's responsibility. If you're a guest, not a host, you've got to be, if you're a guest, not a host, you've got to be on top of it because that's your responsibility. You know, when there's damage, there's a question of what happens with the animal that was killed as the responsibility of the one who, who owned the animal and his animal was killed or was the responsibility of the one who owned the, 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 the pit that it fell into. So that's a, a question in the Gemara. But when it comes to this, this uh, simcha, each person has a responsibility. They both have it. The one who's making it and the one who's eating there. You can't hide behind the host and, and say he didn't do his job. <clears throat> Did you even ask him anything? Did you see a mashkiach running around? Did any, you ask the, anybody, you ask the rabbi if everything's okay? Anybody, just do something. Got to do something. Got to be proactive. It's, it's partly your responsibility. The host is definitely responsible. The only one who's not responsible is the caterer. And if the rabbi who gives a shkocha to the caterer doesn't take responsibility, so he's also off the hook. Because we understand there's a thing called the drop-off party. Everybody in the industry understands that. The caterer is, is guiltless as well. The only people who take response, have to take responsibility are the host and the guest. Okay, we have some calls. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Hello, brother. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Yes, I have a question. How does one check asparagus, fresh asparagus? I know, but I'm not going to go through each one of these things today. You can pick up the book. It's called the Bidikas Hamazon. Asparagus, the problem is that if you see the little triangles on the side? Yes. Okay. In most cases, there are insects behind them. Mm-hmm. Not, not occasionally. In most cases. I mean, maybe not in every single one, but in, if there are five or six or seven of them, and you know how to look, they're hiding in that little cavity behind that triangle. Also in the spears. So what people do is just cut off the spears, cut off those triangles, and you wash them off and you're good to go. So let me ask you a question. If one wants to use the spears, how would they go about using the spears? How awkwardly? I just told you. I don't know what you're asking well, me. Wash them off? I just, I, I don't think you hear, what, you hear not hear what I'm saying? You have to cut off the tops with, the whole, with all of those, the whole top. And you have to take off the, um, the, the, little, the little triangles and wash them well. And you know, wash it well. There's not nothing there. You you, you got away whatever was hiding behind the triangle, but but mm-hmm. uh, some of the spears may not be a problem. Some of the top may not be a problem, but but I, I uh, 
you know, you have this, I didn't look in the book now. And you look, you can see that there may be a difference between white and green and the changes. And that's a, that's a topic I'm not ready to talk about tonight. Okay? okay thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. And I get in this. You too. Okay, you're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, well, I don't know about a drink. It's called Red Bull. Oh, we've discussed Red Bull so many times. Red Bull, what you should be doing is going over to the CRC website. CRC website is crcweb.org. crcweb.org. And on that site, they have a list of recommended beverages. The Star K also has a list, and it has everything under the sun, about 15 pages, maybe a little bit less. Uh, maybe it's and they also have Red and, Bull. And Red Bull is listed there as acceptable. Well, okay. Okay, and about broccoli. Broccoli, you have to check for warmth. My friend, broccoli is a tough, 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 tough one because broccoli is filled with these insects. I mean, not like a couple here or there. It, broccoli makes strawberries look like clean. It, it's like it's like, like we knew for a million years that broccoli is the worst of what were the worst. They just crawl on out of those things. It's not even a. It, it, the only thing I found worse than broccoli is dill. Dill is like, it, it, you know, you just bang it on the table and they all start crawling out. It's it definitely oh, wow. is no definitely. See, most people don't see insects. Oh, then they're not there, or they're so small you can't see them. No, you never were trained. If you were trained to see them, you would see them all the time. And you and if you would and if you buy this book, which I'm not selling it anymore, I used to sell it, but I'm not selling it. Medica's Hamazon, it's twenty five dollars in the store. It's from Feldheim, and it's all in English. <laughs> I don't know if there's a Hebrew word in the book. It's it's all 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 English, and it, it tells you exactly how to do everything. And you'll see the broccoli is like the is like the one of the worst of, of all. I mean, I I I would I I could see them sometimes just crawling out, you know. And, but but if you have never seen them, you might miss the whole trip or trip. So is it possible to check? What? Is it possible to check and wash it out? Or? I, don't, or I don't believe that way. I believe that it's not. See, there's, there's a question. Possible is, is a hard word for me to answer. You know, it's maybe in a, in a good season, maybe if you do this, maybe you do that. I don't live there. I, I live in a world where I, I don't want to hear about this. If there's a serious problem, I don't want to be sometimes lucky and sometimes not lucky. I want to play it close, safer. So, so for me, I, I choose either I don't use broccoli or I use or we take um, one of the two brands that I think that are out there that are very, very solid or three brands that are out there that are very, very solid. Or I would um, just take off the, the tops and then it's a simple thing to just wash it. And that's I'm what I do frozen. sometimes. What? Frozen. Excuse me? If it's frozen. Frozen doesn't change it, my friend. That All oh. of that is a, a misnomer. It's washed, obviously, before when you buy in a regular food store and then they're not washing it at all. And the frozen has been washed. But it, you can't get them out of those florets. They're like, it's oh. almost impossible. It's almost impossible. Same thing with the strawberries. You can't get behind those seeds. There's no way that you could tell me you're getting them all out. You cannot guarantee. And you put in so much work, it would knock you out. It, it, it is a certain level where it isn't worth going. Okay? Okay, thank you very Take much. Take good care, my nice. friend. Take good care. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. No one else? Okay. So we go back. Anybody wants to call you, you got another 15 minutes. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Okay, so we're over here. Um, some people have sent something in. What are my opinions on scams? I don't have opinions. My goodness, I don't have opinions on anything. I just use this book and uh, speak to Rabbi Goldstein when I want to fill in. But uh, scallions uh, do have to, you do have to learn how to do them. And believe that, maybe we'll discuss it next week. I'm not going to go through each one of these today. But you can pick up the Mabidikas Muslim book or you can tune in here and we'll be discussing some of them, how they're done. Um, now, somebody said, if this Jewish non-from waiter from Brighton Beach is going to do Chilo Shabbos anyway, 
if he isn't, if he won't be working, isn't it better? Now he's coming to a kiddish, he's coming into a shul, and he's going to eat a bissel chalent. Maybe his neshama is going to be revived. He's in the Yiddish environment. <laughs> That's what the question was. No way is it permissible. I see a million people called in now. Is it permissible to invite somebody who is going to ride to shul on Shabbos? Rav Moshe Feinstein calls that person who invites somebody to a kiddush and shul, to my simcha, come to my bar mitzvah, come to the, the Shabbos to the shul for daven. It's a nice place to daven. Come along. If he invites the man, it's called Macy's umidiach. It's just as if he brought him to a house of idol worship and trained him and led him to do idol worship. That's the psak of Rav Moshe Feinstein. It's the worst of Vera. You cannot invite somebody who you know is going to ride. Is going to ride anyway? Fine, I understand that. But you can't do it. You caused it to happen. You will guard him. Okay, go ahead. Yaron Kash is on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Speak up, please. Hi, I want to go back to the frozen broccoli that you spoke about before. Okay. What do you want to do? I want to ask you, said that uh, it's impossible to clean it and frozen is the same. So how do the Jewish companies, whether it's Bodeg, Begon and all, how are they selling okay. it? What's their I'm going to answer that question. It's an excellent question. A very appropriate and now we're going to teach you something that you can't see from the outside. That's what this show is about. That's what Kasha's Magazine is about. That's what my publication, Kasha's Monthly, is about. That's what our, 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 our website called Bug Free Kosher is about. And our website, Kasha'sMagazine.com. That's what I'm doing for 37 years. The answer to the Thank question you. is... Thank you. Is very, the answer is very simple. The, the ones that you're talking about, Bagan, which is Eden, and the Positive, and maybe a couple of others, they, some of them, and these two in particular, grow it in greenhouses that are specially, okay. that are specially set up. And they, okay. they do extra efforts to make sure that no insects go into those greenhouses. So it's not an open environment. So they claim, and I hope they're correct, that the products that they produce in the greenhouses have an, uh, have less than 1% uh, uh, in, uh, less than 1% of the product is uh, is infested which means to say if you could take 100 heads or uh, let's say 100 bags of let's say 100 bags of 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 of, of bagan take 100 bags of it and open it up Maybe you'll find one bug. Well, it's just like very, that's a very small, insignificant amount. So that, that's mm-hmm. what they're claiming. And, they, and they've done it by growing it differently. So it's as if it was bug-free or relatively bug-free. And that's the halacha. So, but to take something that's infested and to clean it is much, much, much harder. And it, in the summer, there was a scandal. I don't know if you heard about it. It was a scandal. I mean, on a certain level, it was called a scandal. Some company came frozen product from, from, from an outside the country, and they claimed it was bug-free, and the people found bugs in it. And, the, and, the, and I saw the machinery. The machinery that they used cleans away the bugs. It was strawberries that cleans away the bugs. It's a very, very good machinery. But the point is, you're starting with something that's infested. Once it's infested, it's very hard to clean out. And therefore, they did, weren't able to do it. If you start with something that you grow in a way that's not infested, then you're home free. So that's the, but that frozen does not, not cut it. It has to be high quality uh, greenhouse. That's what you need. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah, just one more thing. So when you have companies that are not, you know, under the Jewish auspices, a bird die or something, I once read the way they clean their thing, high powered and all. But if you're, just to reiterate, that you're saying that if it's not, grown, bug-free, it's highly unlikely that they would get it really clean. Is that correct? hundred percent. And by the way, just for your, your knowledge, and, and anybody else who wants to listen in can hear as well, 
there is no bird's eye. Bird's eye buys from 32 different uh, facilities. They buy the product and put the bird's eye name on. All they're buying is bird's eye quality, which is the highest level of all of the vegetables that come through that plant. There's nine levels in some of these vegetables, and bird's eye happens to be the highest level. But they don't own the companies. They're just buying from them. So bird's eye itself doesn't have a system. Bird's eye is dependent upon the system of the company they buy from. Okay? Mm-hmm. okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Go ahead. You're on cautious on the air. Can I help you? Hi. Um, I want to know about fresh blueberries. Just to check them on. They don't have any bugs in it. I, 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 wish, I wish I could answer you. Unfortunately, when at the time we're talking now, in this time, you're young. You're going to get older, and you're going to, and life's going to change. But at the present time, I cannot advise blueberries to you. I'm not saying that, uh, that I'm the only person in the world. You can speak to somebody else. But there are a number of issues with blueberries, including um, what, what, what they call um, maggots, little like little worms inside the blueberries. And uh, they, they, it's significant enough that many of the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Hamisher companies do not use blueberries anymore. And when they do blueberries, they check a lot of them in a way that you couldn't do. They would take samples of it and throw it out. And you don't have, you're not going to buy it and take care of it at that level. So I advise you to find something else that uh, you enjoy and say, this is my Messiris Nefesh for Hashem. I'm giving up something for Hashem. And don't worry, he's going to pay you back. He's going to pay you back in your lifetime many, many, many times for having accepted to give something up. L'shem Shemayim. Thank you for And the closure company is answered the frozen ones? What? The frozen ones from the Freudic and even good? I'm telling you uh, I, I, across the board. I'm saying we are not recommending this at the present time. Oh, and also I want to ask you about cherries. It's good enough just to uh, open them and check them or... As far as I'm concerned, it. unless you're, going, you're buying rotten cherries and say you're trying to, uh, you know, you select from the rotten cherries, you're getting something that's edible, I wouldn't worry at all. Regular cherries you buy, and they have nice little bags of that stuff, uh, I, I just don't just eat them. Just wash them and eat them. Don't don't even look. Uh, okay. 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 Thank you. And strawberries, you also have to check. Strawberries are also we don't recommend. Food. We don't recommend strawberries. We don't recommend blueberries at the present time. But as I said, okay. in your lifetime, it may switch, and there'll be companies that may control it later on. And there have been efforts, and, and obviously people want to make money, and they're going to find a way to do it. But right now, you're going to get schar for giving up anything that you give up. And you know something, in previous generations, they had a lot less foods to eat. A lot less. My father, Aleva Shalom, told me that when he was growing up on the east side in New York, in Manhattan, he said that uh, he had a fleshika Pesach every year. They could not get milchiks. So, you know, we're, we're living a different age. Thank you very much for the call. You're on Kashas on the air. Can I help you? Yes, Hi. Yeah, go ahead. Where okay, you? I wanted to ask you, if I buy dill from a store and I wash it with soap and there then... There's no way I, that you're going to get, you're going to convince me you wash the dill properly. No, uh, then my question is, if I put it in the mixer and I crush it all no, the no, way... No, 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 you can't. Let me explain to you. If I take something, you have to listen to the words. There's a word called miyotamatsui, or muchsa patoloyim. These are levels of infestation. If it's either one of those levels then it has to be checked and properly cleaned. If you skip that step and you just throw it into a mixer and you make a, you make a liquid out of it, you're we call mavatel iser l'chatchila. You're taking mm-hmm. something, treif, and it's like taking a chalent and putting a little bit of milk in there, but it's bottled. It's nullified. Mm-hmm. It may be nullified, but it's forbidden to do it and some hold it's an Issa Daraisa. So to do what you're talking about might be an Issa Daraisa, might be forbidden by the Torah. 
So you, that, I'm not joking about this. this is the real thing, especially but with. Is, isn't there something about crushing something to very small? I remember learning, right, or right. something else. There is, there is. I, I don't know, about, but yeah, no, it, it, it's like this. If I would buy a package of, uh, let's say, let's say, let's 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 make an example, um, strawberries mm-hmm. or broccoli from a company. And I really wouldn't use that company, but it has mm-hmm. a pretty good ashkocha. But I'm nervous, you know. I mean, I'm not going to eat it, mm-hmm. but it has a pretty good ashkocha. But you know, I don't feel good about it yet. I could take that and crush it up, and it wouldn't be a problem because mm-hmm. I could say mm-hmm. maybe there's no bugs in it. I mean, they claim there's no bugs in it. I may be nervous, so I don't eat it. But I could make, I can make, I can pulverize it. We have strawberry products of, uh, like you know Isis, which we make from real strawberries. From the, the packages of companies that that we don't take regularly, but we take it and do with that because we're not because we're not when we're making it into a uh, in, in, in pulverizing it. What we're doing is uh, we're taking something which these two or three or four ashkachas are saying are kosher, so mm-hmm. it's not a problem. Okay, right. What about cilantro? It comes out the same way. What cilantro? I I don't know about cilantro. I didn't look at cilantro. I can't answer okay. right now. Sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Go ahead, you're unconscious on the ear. Can I help you? Yes, I just want to know, thanks to you, I don't use fresh blueberries anymore. What about blueberry pie filling with the hechsher? So is that a problem? The, the hechsher, I, I can't answer what the hechsherim do. I know that the hechsherim do something. Every hechsher does something different. Why don't you call Vashkocha and ask what they do? And then you can call me back here or at the office number, 718-336-8544, and I'll answer you. But right now, you're talking about the Hashkocha, and there are many Hashkochas, and they do something, but what is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, have to find, you have to do a little research in it, okay? Take care. Thank you. Okay, good. You're unconscious on the air. Go ahead, yeah, hi. Um, how could companies like... Baidek say that there's no checking necessary on broccoli that wasn't greenhouse grown? Because they have done what they consider their due diligence. They're claiming that they go to the fields and, and check on, on the field when it's growing and see samples, and they'll say this is a, a clean enough thing that when it goes in and it gets washed, it's going to come out clean. And then they check it. After the wash or something like that. But the sampling they take is a small sampling. So that's a decision that they made that it's good. Other people might have a different feeling about it. They're, obviously, it's not Bodeg, the company. You have the OU and maybe other names on there. So I think they have a few names on there. So obviously, all those Hashgachas think they're doing a good job. So, I mean, you know, they're doing what they can do. They can't do the other because they don't own a company. Bodic does not own anything. Bodic goes to a regular company, like Birdseye goes to a company and says, do this for me, but I want to control it. So I'm going to only take some of what you use. And that's the control that they have. But they don't control how it's handled afterwards. They don't have, any, they don't have special equipment. They, they're going with a good, solid company, and they're choosing the best from there, and they're claiming that our investigation has proven that this is clean. But it's not the same as um, the kind of thing that a greenhouse can do. Okay, and also, how do I check celery? Oh, I wanted to do celery today, but people thought it was so easy. You know, celery is easy. Um, you're going to have to wait till next week. Okay, thank you. I'll try to do celery. And what was the other one somebody asked me about? The scallions or something? Okay, go ahead. You're cilantro? Cilantro, yeah. Go, you're unconscious on the air. Go ahead, please. Go ahead, please. Um, hi. Um, is grapes a problem? It, no question, a problem. You have to wash them a special way. I'm just going to end with this. What you do, with, and this is the best method. It's a little time-consuming, but you don't have to do any checking. Uh, this is what we do. You do this three times. You put uh, into a bowl of water, add soap. I'm sorry, before you put them into the bowl of water, you break it into small clusters, not teeny weeny, but smaller clusters than the, than not a whole one, and then you put water in and some little bit of soap, 
and you stir it around a little bit, and you keep it there in the water three, four minutes, stirring it occasionally, and then you put it on. You take it out and put it under the faucet, and let it, the, the, the the that the soap will come off, and the washing comes from the soap from the faucet, and then you do it again in the water, and again in the uh, under the faucet, and then again in the water, and again in the faucet three times. Water in the in the pail with with um, with, uh, with 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 soap and three times under the faucet. I change the water every time in between. I don't know if you have to or not, but the main thing is you've washed it off very thoroughly, and this is good to go. No checking. It okay, takes about you, fifteen bro. minutes, but you could do pounds and pounds. Okay, thank uh-huh. you very much for everybody. I'm sorry we can't stay longer, but uh, this is until next week. This is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. Send to us at kashrus at aol.com. Write the word Kiddush. We'll send you the Kiddush thing. If you have any questions during the week, 718 336 8544.